0: Welcome to the One Pound Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne, and this is episode 13. If you're not sure what this is, if this is the first time you've found this podcast, well, thanks very much for listening to, to start with, uh, but if you are unsure, basically, I've been to my local CEX, cash converters, charity shops, anywhere where you can buy a cheap EVD, with the proviso of, it has to be one pound or less. These could be Oscar winners, these could be trashy nonsense, they could be anything, as long as it's a pound or less. And that's basically it, just to see what you can get for your money. Um, So yeah, we're going to get straight into this. Uh, On Flying Solo on episode 13, we're going to be talking about 2006's Flyboys. Looking back, we had no idea what to expect.
1: We were a bunch of Americans with nothing in common, except we wanted to learn to Fly. gentlemen you have bravely volunteered to preserve freedom captain tell you the life expectancy for pilots around here it's three to six weeks the guy sure knows how to make friends all these friends out there this is your quarters french is sure put on a nice war got any objection to woman with a colored man hurt is good luck to rub your head i wouldn't do that if i were you sorry fellas this room's reserved for killers did you uh slip there killer I'm going to war in two days worried about me the Germans are moving to world arts. Cassidy will be your squadron leader any questions will we be back by lunch I
0: had no idea that it was going to be like that hey right. you're not going anywhere not till you drink with us
1: I thought it was only for killers
0: You'll do. I thought
1: you're supposed to be some sort of honor in the way we fight. You gotta find your own meaning in this world. I'm not gonna leave you. figure as long as I'm up in the air, they can't see me. They won't mind if I'm back. I just watch you guys day after day, wondering how you do it. I stay here to get the ones that killed my friends. the strength to discover what we were made of because when you risk
0: it all the sky's the limit So Flyboys from 2006 it's directed by Tony Bill it has an IMDB rating of 6.5 out of 10 a Rotten Tomato score of 33% from critics and 67% from audience it has a running time of 132 minutes a budget of 60 million and it grossed 17.8 million Worldwide, it stars James Franco, Martin Henderson, Jennifer Decker, and Jean Renault. And now I'm going to read you the synopsis. This is direct from the back of the DVD. So, Flyboys sourced to new cinematic heights with spectacular special effects and thrilling edge of your seat aerial dogfights. Inspired by the true events of the legendary Lafayette Escadrille, this action-packed epic tells the tale of Americans' first fighter pilots. These courageous young men distinguished themselves in a manner that none before them had dared, becoming true heroes who experienced triumph, tragedy, love, and loss amid the chaos of World War I. Hang on for the ride of your life. So a bit of background on the film. The DVD tells me uh, several times that this is from the producer of Independence Day, Dean Devlin. He's also a writer for Independence Day, as well as 90, 1960s Godzilla, Stargate, Geostorm, and Universal Soldier, along with Stargate SG-1, The Librarians, and he co-wrote this. So he has a, a massive background in big-budget action films. As no studio would back this film... A group of filmmakers and investors including producer Dean Devlin spent £60 million to market the film. The film was shot on location in the UK and uses some of the same locations as Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan. The airdrome aeroplanes, uh, they built four replicas of the, the Newport 17 plane. Uh, the other aircraft use are a mix of authentic and replicas. The character of Beagle in the film is named after Snoopy from the Peanuts uh, cartoon who famously tangles with the Red Baron throughout the cartoon. Director Tony Bill, he was a producer on Robert Redford and Paul Newman's The Sting from 1973. He's a director of 32 movies and TV shows, including My Bodyguard from 1980 and a film called Five Corners. He, has a, he spans genres from teen comedy to crime to action adventure. Definition of a journeyman director, this fella. He has also he has 60 credits as an actor, including Bonanza, Dr. Kildare, The Man from Uncle, Ice Station Zebra and Pee-wee's Big Adventure so has been a, quite a few things this chap as well so, so James Franco who plays Blaine Rawlings in the uh, in the film he has 147 actor credits to his name he uh, first found, found fame as Daniel Dasarian in TV sitcom Freaks and Geeks then his first hit film was Spider-Man he played Harry Osborn he's also a regular collaborator with Seth Rogen you know the Pineapple Express this is the end he has 39 director credits to his name um, his first being The Ape from 2005 and he's also Oscar nominated for The Disaster Artist which if you haven't seen that's a brilliant film, don't make sure you get hold of that one. He has his own production company as well, which is called um, Rabbit Bandini Productions, through which The Disaster Artist and The Iceman were made. Uh, and he's lectured film classes at New York University, University of uh, Southern California, and others. Jennifer Decker, who plays Lucienne in the film. She's a French actress with 25 credits to her name, mainly French uh, films. In a film called Bank, Erdo, In Your Favour which is a really bad translation. Hellphone, obviously, uh, Flowboys being the biggest English-speaking part she had in her credits. That's all I that could really find out about Jennifer Decker. John Reno who plays Captain Thoreau, he has 108 actor credits, uh, possibly best known for his work with Luke Besson in Leon the Professional. He turned down the role of Agent Smith from The Matrix to do Godzilla, which I found very interesting because that's a different film if you put John Renault in um, Hugo Weaving's part. Uh, he's also mentioned um, the song Cos- uh, Cosmopolitan by Vincent De- Deleurne. I've oh, listened to it, and it's possibly the most French song I've ever heard in my life. I'll give you a bit of critical response now. So, Matt Mungall from the Phantom Tollbooth. Flyboys is, is filled with aerial action and amazing realistic dog voice. It not only displays the almost suicidal missions of these young men, but it also the skill and talent they created in what was fairly new invention. I was worried the scenes would be choppy and hard to follow but they are shot perfectly and and must be seen on the big screen. Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian says the band of brothers are in the traditional way of things a mixed bag some idealists some dreamers and some outlaws who want to get away and lie low or rather high. Jean-Renault is a sad-eyed French captain who has to lick the feisty Yankees into shape and show them how to become magnificent men in their newfangled flying machines so that they can take on the dastardly Germans. Perfectly workman-like stuff. That's what he says. So so that, that's what the critics think uh, is my expectation of the film. I mean, after all the research and looking it up, I'm, I'm going for sort of like an uplifting America, fuck yeah, type film. Um, you know, plucky misfits who get trained by the weary officer and become, you know, a thorn in the enemy's side. I'm expecting good aerial shots, thinking back to stuff like the Independence Day, the Canyon shot with the... uh the spaceship being chased by the F-16s, you know, that's, that still stands up now, even though it was 1996, I think it was, or 1994, 1994, I think it was. Unfortunately, I'm expecting a shoehorned love story. I'm hoping I'm wrong, because these films, half the time they don't need, it. it's just trying to humanise, you know, what's happening in war. And then I'm expecting all the characters meet on a common ground, you know, even though they are all, all completely different. That's That's pretty much it. We're going to break for an intermission now, while I go and watch the film. back, just watched the film, so firstly, before we go any further, if you intend to watch this film, please stop the podcast now because I'm going to spoil this film from start to finish, so massive spoilers from here on in, you have been warned, spoilers ahead. So, my initial reaction after watching this, it's less America fuck yeah than I was expecting, it's got a lot in common with Top Gun, which is surprising to me. But there's a lot of, of a lot of Top Gun in there. It's very glossy, and it's not a bad watch at all. You know, it, it flows by. But don't expect going into this film expecting something like 1917 or Saving Private Ryan, because it's neither of those films at all. It's very glossy. So yeah, we're going to break down the entire film now. So we start by meeting all the aspiring flyboys, either on their way or making the decision to fight in World War One. We meet James Franco's character, who's Blaine Rollins. So um, we meet Blaine. He's uh, he's just lost his farm, uh, I think it's in Texas or Kansas, and uh, he's wanted by the police for failing to pay the mortgage. There's another character we see saying goodbye to his family saying goodbye to their son, there's a boxer in Marseille who has decided to walk away from boxing because he wants to be a pilot, and there's an English gent who tells his son, war will make a man of you, so uh, they all assemble, they get on a train which is bound for Paris, apart from Franco, Franco goes missing at this point, you don't see him for a bit, this scene is the fish out of water moment, you know, foreign land, strange language sort of thing, really good transition here so they uh, they get off the train in Paris and they sort of look up to the sky and you see like, you know, 19 1915, 1917, sort of Paris skyline, and then the camera pans up to a plane flying across, and then as the plane flies across, the camera pans back down and we find that we are we find that we have left Paris, and we are now at Lafayette, Escadrille Airdrome in Verdun, France. I mean, that's that's the first seven minutes of the film. Um Lots to take in, but it's very quick introductions some some fast, uh, you don't get their names at all. It's cleanly made, and it's bright. It's not gritty. At Lafayette Field, we meet Captain uh, Therault uh, who is John Renault. Uh, he's got some great facial hair fantastic moustache and our boys line up in their very fancy new pastel blue uniforms minus James Franco as the captain speaks plane, a biplane circles the field billowing smoke and nobody bats an eyelid at this at all as all this is going on Blaine James Franco has turned up late and sets his stall out
1: and we'll see which one of you becomes your squadron's first ace that'll be me who are you? Blaine Rawlings. We arrived in uniform, Mr Rawlings.
0: Yeah, I wasn't quite sure how it all went together. <laughs> <laughs> the in-trouble pilot lands, uh, now on fire, and the pilot, uh, who's an American, comes and talks to the new recruits, proceeds to have a bit of a pissing match with Blaine and tells him uh, their life expectancy is six weeks. We learn that Cassidy... That's the guy from the biplane who was on fire. Has lost all his squad. Quick observation here: the score is pretty heavy-handed. Uh, it's all horns and military drums, so they want you to know what sort of film you're watching. You know, it's inherently military. Anyway, so we move on. So the new pilots are taken to a, cha- a chateau, which is the new barracks. It's bloody lovely for a barracks. You know, it's fantastic, uh, like 18th century um chateau out in the, the the countryside. It's lovely. Blaine is attacked by a lion called Whiskey, uh who is the pet of a squadron leader, Cassidy, uh the pilot's in trouble. It was it was about this point in the film that I realised one of the flyboys is played by Tyler Lebain, who is Dale from Tucker and Dale versus Pure Evil, but it's an early role for him, so he's not got the facial hair and he's um yeah, he's he's a bit he wasn't unrecognisable, but it was a bit like Who's that? Who's that guy? And then I had to look into it and find out. By the way, they've got a lion I mean, I have no idea, a lion called Whiskey. Looking into this and looking into the background of this, it's actually um, accurate. There were two lions at Lafayette, at Escadrille, but they just decided to go with one lion. It's a CGI lion, I hope it is anyway. Anyway, we move on. They go on to the on-site drinking hole and run foul of uh, the other more experienced soldiers. Um, Total hazing bullshit here, you know, you can't come in here unless you've killed somebody sort of thing, Uh, which ends up with some absolute racism towards Skinner, who is the boxer from Marseille. One of the officers comes and as a word and Skinner turns around and puts him square on his arse, obviously he's a boxer of course he's going to enter the training montage now we knew it was coming, you know we see them going through the various stages learning about the aircraft up to the rudimentary centrifuges um, and onto the first solo flights Good.
1: Well we don't want you bringing bullets home, we have millions leave the bullets out there let the Germans take them home
0: Beagle is one of the lesser fly boys. he hasn't taken to shooting while flying uh well at all one of the superior officers requests blaine take him up and try and talk him out of shoot you know and uh, so he goes up makes a right hash of trying to shoot this model plane on the floor and then they go for a bit of a fly and they run out of fuel and crash when they wake up they're in the well, i believe it's a bordello and uh, everyone is beautiful and uh, blaine when he wakes up he's got an injury to his leg and he asked this very beautiful and he's Basically, come straight out there and ask her if she's a prostitute. But she doesn't understand because she doesn't speak English. Uh, the squad pick them up, and we meet some more new recruits. Apparently, I've come straight from primary school. Yeah, they must be about ten years old, something like that. There's a there's a lovely shot of a new plane arriving here as well. This is the sort of like next part along. It. it arrives through some of the thickest, thickest fog I've ever seen in my life. But it's uh, yeah, it's very you know. Oh, look at this brand new machine! And it comes through. The flyboys get all arts and crafty at this point now, and they put insignias the on the planes, you know, top hats, boxing gloves, pair of legs, you know, to identify them in the air. The squad gets their first mission uh, with Cassidy as squad leader. Cassidy and Blaine have a somber conversation about uh, who should be, uh, who he should contact in the event of his death. Uh, lots of bits with the lion. I'm, I'm, it's really well CGI'd lion, to be fair. I don't know if it is CGI. where he's, and and. And where is this lion getting his food from? You know, they're in the middle of a war... As it's happening, so they head off to the skies. Uh, some nice shots of them flying, and I, I think it's a good mix of CGI and real. I mean, I could be wrong. It's just it's that's how well shot it is. Uh, and they fly over luscious green fields to the desolate battlefront. And uh, they fly higher to avoid the gunfire and run into the Luftwaffe, who arrive through a blind spot in the sun. Really good shot. This fantastic. They come they come out of the sun, you know, out of the blind spot of the sun, firing. It's, it's really well done. Uh, our would be heroes they get well and truly battered and spanked. One of the primary school kids, is plane gets shot. Down and uh, he manages to land only to be gunned down like a dodo we then get back to uh, Lafayette Field and we see the heavy price that the squad has paid and we learn about the German aces the, uh, the Black Falcon who gives no mercy they get invited to the mess hall for drinks with the veterans Blaine gets upset and no one is grieving they tell him there's no room for grief. I suppose that's right in World War One, isn't it? Uh, Blaine goes to the bordello to find the girl who looked after him. And we find out her name is Lucienne. And she's not a bordello worker, uh, but a farm worker who was dropping off supplies. Blaine goes to the farm. Though there's a language barrier, we find out that Lucienne's brother and wife, who owned the farm, were killed in bombing in a bombing raid. And now Lucienne is a carer for her nieces and nephews. Blaine puts on a Wild West-type show, riding a horse. <sighs> this part of the story grinds the entire film to a halt uh, you know so what I was saying in my expectation I was hoping for a non-love story but they've thrown one in and this does actually grind it to a halt you know you've had a really nice 25 minutes here where it's action after action and they just, it just slows everything right down luckily though uh, we get back to some more dog fighting uh, Blaine takes out a giant biplane we see the whole squad have got better except for Beagle uh, Blaine goes toe to toe with the German ace uh, Double Sabre who killed the primary school kid Blaine has him dead to rights uh, but his gun jam Hands. As he tries to unjam his gun, the double saber maneuvers himself behind Blaine, but doesn't shoot because of some code you know like oh, I've got your dead right so they, he doesn't shoot him don't know why It's just one of those things Back on the ground uh, Lowry, who is Dale from Tuk- Tucker and Dale uh, confides in Blaine that he thinks something is wrong with Beagle right. there's something not right about Beagle you know
1: mm-hmm. I mean he doesn't get any mail
0: right
1: so yeah he never hits any of the Germans he shoots at. Wow, no, a lot of guys don't have kills and now he's a, an expert on German aircraft when did that happen scratching fleas on a stuffed dog nothing there all right we'll see but right, hey I'm telling you there's something that way with that guy
0: After this, Jensen, another pilot, has some really severe PTSD. Uh, while the other pilots look on, and he's grounded. After this, he can't fly again. Blaine Floy is to see Lucienne. Time has passed, as they can now both speak broken English, stroke broken French. He takes her up in the plane. It rains. They land and kiss. Like I said, more shirring love story. Blaine gets back to the chateau where Lowry has gone to the captain and told him of his suspicions about Beagle we find out his real name is Becker and they accuse him of being a spy he comes clean and says he's fled America uh, as he was a bank robber but not a very good one
1: your behaviour has raised suspicion among the men and now we discover that uh, Eddie Beagle it is not your real name it's Arthur Becker Huh? So I changed my name you're from Wisconsin I see There's a very large German population in Wisconsin, and your name is German. I'm no spy. Why didn't you give us your correct name? Are you a German sympathizer? No. We will find out the truth. Look, it's not what you think. Why not? We shoot spies, you know? Uh, Committed a crime back in the States. Spit it out, Beagle. I robbed a bank. I was dead to a bookie, and I needed the money. Was anyone hurt in the robbery? No. How can we be sure? Because I used a toy gun. Excuse me? I used a toy gun. It was all I had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Our ACs once again uh, take off in the air against the Germans who are attacking, uh, fleeing refugees, quite a violent scene this lots of blood spilled, lots of shooting innocent people um, yeah, quite rough more good flight scenes and Blaine catches up with two sabres and lets him off so they are even, but straight after this um, but straight after that moment he's shot down by Beagle and that's his first kill, then Beagle gets shot down and crashes his plane in no man's land and his arm gets stuck underneath the wreckage Blaine lands an attempt to uh, do a daring rescue. They're assisted by a French soldier who, who gets shot. Uh, Blaine gets Beagle out by cutting his arm off. Funny that, because James Franco's in 127 Hours, which is about cutting your arm off as well. I, don't, I just realised that as I've read it. So we go back to the chateau. Uh, Blaine and Cassidy share a moment, and Cassidy sp- dispels his myths and talks about um, the uselessness of war. I was
1: a lot like you. Full of idealism, maybe even a sense of honour you realize this war ain't gonna be won by either side someday it'll just end everyone will go home get on with their lives tall grass will cover the battlefield and
0: all the pilots we've lost wouldn't have changed a damn thing we cut back to Lucien. now. Lucienne is washing up, and she sees the Germans marching, marching across her land. Blaine finds out and steals his uh, steals his plane, and in a bid to rescue her and uh, Lucienne and her nieces and nephews, cut to the captain saying, "When he lands, arrest him." Uh, Blaine first takes the kids, then he goes back for Lucienne. The house is you now completely surrounded. Uh, quite a tense moment in the film, to be honest. Uh, she escapes um, and gets shot in the salt so- shoulder as she as they take off. Blaine gets her to the barracks and uh, the field hospital where she goes uh, where she gets looked after. Captain Thoreau gives Blaine a round of fucks, but then lets him off.
1: I have filled out the papers formally charging you with dereliction of duty. That sort of thing cannot be tolerated in the military units, not even this one. Reports indicate that an Escadrille pilot flew four French refugees out of occupied territory while being shot at by both riflemen and anti-aircraft cannons. Busy night. I have been in direct communication with HQ in Paris over your little escapade. They agree with my recommendation completely. So it won't do you any good to go over my head. Take the cuffs off. Sir? Unless you want to fly his plane. I think I forgot to sign that. Ask me about it again tomorrow. Congratulations, Rawlings. And don't ever do that again.
0: The aces find out the Germans are advances with a squadron and a zeppelin. Our boys have become hotshot aces now, shooting down uh, the enemy for fun. A couple of minutes in, enter the Black Falcon. Cassidy and uh, the Black Falcon face off, and Cassidy is unceremoniously shot. He gets Shot through the like upper chest, but uh, in the last ditch before he dies, he commits Harry carry and flies straight into the zeppelin, and that's it. He's dead. Honestly, at this point, I thought this was going to be the last battle of the film, but then we cut to Cassidy's funeral, so yeah, and and we uh, hear we hear Blaine give Cassidy's eulogy.
1: If I do not return, my burial is of no import. Make it as easy as possible for yourselves. I have no religion. I do not care for any service. If the omission would bother Porter, I guess I would stand the ceremony. Good luck to y'all. Viva Las Cadrill. The only real friends I ever had. Cassidy. A lot of us owe this man our lives. We won't forget him.
0: Cassidy makes uh, Blaine the wing commander. Blaine goes to find Lucienne to see if uh, she's still in hospital. She's left hospital and is being evacuated with the kids and her uncle's now come to pick them up. Why weren't the kids living with the uncle in the first place? You know, they're living with this like early 20s girl in, in this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Why weren't they living with this uncle in the first place? But that's that's a story for another day, I'm sure. So Blaine and Lucienne say their goodbyes and if uh, you've got to say at this point, fuck me, they love this score. They really do. <laughs> are set to go on another mission and it's the uh, first mission that they failed on they go to the munitions depot, this is the first mission they went on and totally got their arses whipped so they're going back to destroy this munitions depot now and it's the final battle so uh, Black Falcon shows up, Beagle flies with a hook for a hand after having his arm cut off on no, no man's land he's now flying with a hook for a hand pretty impressive that, the bomber they're protecting blows up the factory, Black Falcon flies away, they return to the aerodrome where Blaine where Blaine returns to the sky, you know to finish the job as it were he uh, destroys loads of stationary planes. And then uh, Black Falcon uh, goes back into the sky and they end up in a one-on-one dogfight with him and Blaine. Black Falcon is then joined by two of his planes who are shot down by the PTSD survivor. Jensen, who has finally found some courage and jumped into a plane. We then cut back to Black Falcon, who is completely fucking Blaine up big time. You know, He shot his plane up to death, gets him in the shoulder and then uh, Blaine does some aerial acrobatics. And then they're sort of banking around each other. And then Blaine just pulls the gun out and shoots... Black Falcon, unceremoniously really then they fly off home, doing some nice cartwheels in the sky, we round up now and then through pictures and they flash up the stars, they tell us what happened to the surviving airmen after the war, you get a, you know one of them became, starts his own flying circus you get Skinner, who is the the uh, the black boxer from Marseille uh, basically institutionalised raci- racism with him, he went back to America, wanted to join the Air Force when America got involved in World War One. they wouldn't let him, wouldn't let him fly again and uh, then he ends up with James Franco's character Blaine, never finding Lucien at the end of the war so uh, after all that the end so to sum up it's a pretty formulaic film there's no emotional weight at all it's pretty much by the numbers you know they turn up, they get trained, they fly, they, their arse is handed to them, they get better, people die. Bits and bobs in the middle make no difference, really. I was expecting a bit Biggles-ish, you know, the old comic books from, from around that period, you know, the Biggles versus the Red Baron. It sort of is that, but not really, you know. it's I mean, it's basically Top Gun, World War One World style, you know, that they, they turn up, they learn how to fly, there's a, a shoe won love story. A, a lot of the characters have a, have attempted backstories, but basically they're just cannon fodder, you know. The, the, the flights and dogfights are really... Really, really good. It's a really nice mix of CGI and real footage. There are some really... Uh, it's really smooth, you know. Um, you can see all the action and all the dog fighting really quite clearly. There's nothing in this. It's not Michael Bay's Transformers at all. You can see it all. It's really... It's done quite a distance. It's really good. The love story... You know, between Lucienne and Blaine. It's there to humanise the wall. That's what it is. Uh, it's never sold as that type of film where you've got that melodrama, something like Hanover Street or something like that. It's not it's not that sort of film. For me, it's more of an action film and I shoe on this in. And say it's an action film, they do try and chew on some social commentary and, you know, about the racism that Skinner would have faced and, and, and the class structure of, of the 1900s, as it were. And, and they could have, the thing is, they could have lost the love story completely and it wouldn't, nobody would have noticed. It would have shortened the film as well. I mean, the film's two hours long. It could have been shortened by um, at least 25 minutes, I think. I think Skinner's story would have been a better way into this world, following that guy and seeing the prejudices he would have had to overcome to become. This this fighter pilot, but you know, they they make no real bones about it. It's not his film, you know. But it could have been like fighting tyrants in the sky and racists on the airfield. But he's just he's just relegated to a side character, really. So we'll uh, move on to my verdict, gentlemen of
1: the jury. Reach the verdict. Considering all the facts and arguments presented by both counsel, and after careful deliberation. The jury will
0: retire and consider the evidence. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, the jury, have you reached a verdict? Better
0: be judged! Although this is a by the numbers and very predictable sort of a film, it's a very easy watch and it's well made, it's well acted. The, The CGI throughout is really, really well done. I mean, The Lion. CGI is is fantastic, and looking into that and knowing that you did have lions as well, it's crazy to me that they bothered having lions. And where the hell do these lions come from? What what are you feeding these lions? What's the point of? Oh, I, don't, I don't understand it. But definitely don't go in expecting something like Saving Private Ryan or 1917 because it's it's far too glossy for that. If you if you want just a nice little action film that's sort of I would say it's sort of got some uh, truth to it, I would pay 65p out of the pound for this film. So 65 out of a pound uh, we're at the end then and uh, I'd just like to say thank you very much for, for tuning in thanks very much for listening you can find the One Pound Movie Podcast on Twitter on Facebook I've got a list on Letterboxd you can join in so you can see what films we've already watched and, you know, join in and let me know what you think of it on there. Or by all means, talk to me on Twitter or Facebook. And you can find the spot, you know, if you listen to this, uh, you know where to find the the podcast, but you can find it on Spotify, you can find it on Podcast Addicts, you can also find it on Podium, that's where um, my my hosting site is. So, yeah, I've been Wayne, and you've been listening to the One Movie Podcast. See you again next time. Bye-bye.